Warning, this episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of murder, and a perfect Joe Pesci impression. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week, we sit down with a special guest and we talk about something weird. And this week, we are bringing you another special edition of Hometown Haunts. We are going to dive into some wild and woolly stories straight out of... New York, New York, (laughs) baby. That's right. We're talking about cryptids, ghosties, murderers, and all things strange and bizarre coming out of the very juicy Big Apple and beyond. New York's a very large state. Don't bother buying tickets. This show today is going to a very dark stage off, off, off Broadway. My name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi. You're so good at those. The (laughs) openings are so... When Lauren does the openings, it's like amazing and when i do the openings it's just like here we are (laughs) yours recently have gotten very good thank you you. i have to keep up with you (laughs) and joining us today is the very hilarious very wonderful new york native himself steve lachioma thank you that was a wonderful introduction i didn't deserve that yes you did and more Let's shower him with compliments. Yeah. Your facial hair looks really great today. Thank you. Your hair on your, your hair head nice. looks very Thank nice. Thank you. Too. It's styled perfectly. Oh, guys. You're very handsome. Oh. You're very funny. I like the low key, like just like gray t shirt with the slacks oh, and like the white shoes. Stylish. Like it looks really good. Very Actually, LA hip. I'm going to come out just to get compliments. <laughs> yeah. Come um, on our show. We'll yeah. compliment you. All right. That was Steve. And uh, his hair looked great today. <laughs> his hair and that great. was that. Well, thanks. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. And I'm not just saying it because. You know, people You're go, supposed oh, I'm to. so excited about yeah. this. Polite. No, I'm like super jazzed. Good. Super jazzed. Yeah, you've been talking about monsters for a while. As long as I've known you guys, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, so. <laughs> Listeners, you know Steve. We've talked about him on the show before. One, because his lovely, beautiful, perfect, amazing wife Maria. was on two episodes mm-hmm. in season one, uh, Glitch and the Maria, part mm-hmm. one and two. That's right. She has to come on again, by the way. Yeah, like, she's that so was good. Three years ago. That's right. insane. And she was an amazing guest. But also, you were the one that gave Joey the nickname Bobby Nosferatu. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. When did I give him that nickname? Uh, because he had like a Twilight audition and you were like, who are you going to play? Bobby Nosferatu? Oh, <laughs> that's also like the most New York thing to say. Like, hey, that's perfect for this hey, episode. Yeah, hey, you playing Bobby, Bobby Nosferatu? Bobby Nosferatu. What are you doing? <laughs> Forget about it. Oh. Oh my Which God. was the a hit of our werewolf episode. I, I, I told our listeners yeah. that. And I like so many people wrote in and they were like, Bobby Nosferatu is the funniest thing I've ever heard. That's so interesting because usually back east, oh. that all we do when we make fun of somebody, we just put the name Bobby in front of something. <laughs> right. Yep. And then like, you know. Bobby Bag of Donuts. Bobby Bag of Donuts, mm-hmm. you know, oh 
Bobby Too Tall, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Too Tall. You know what I mean? If there's Bobby something like, tall. hey, look at Bobby Long Nose over there, you know, and then it's like, oh, so yeah. Oh, I so wish I had grown up on the East Coast just for this, you know? Yeah. Like I missed out on these. No, good we jokes. grew up in like y'all heck. Do you do meth here? Yeah. Holy buckets! Yeah. <laughs> no, that's only me. But still, yeah, you guys don't say. Uh, needs to be right Is oh we yeah thing? we don't say uh to be to be yeah. so it'd be like gabby once held yes <clears throat> oh yeah instead of to be held or like oh my, my hair needs washed my hair yeah. needs washed my hair needs my brushed. car needs washed and joe's I like have never you are missing that i've done that but i do <laughs> he's Holy like crap. your car needs washing or your car needs to be washed and i'm like i don't have time for that my car needs washed car needs That's washed <laughs> i got a car go. needs washed. Yeah. <laughs> so then you guys would be bobby you know, Missing need some words. words. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, Bobby, Bobby needs some words. What do you mean? <laughs> Bobby needs an English class. <laughs> yes, oh, we boy. can't help him. Oh. Sorry. Uh, right. Sorry. So you're from no, New please. York? Yeah. You're yeah from so New York. me, I am from New York. I grew up in the uh, historic Hudson Valley, which okay. was actually the perfect place to grow up because it was about an hour north of New York City, mm-hmm. uh, but in a it's like a suburb of of you know, the city of New York. And I was close enough to the Catskills, uh, 20 minutes, you know, go up to the Adirondacks. I spent a lot of time exploring the great state, the Empire State of New York. Um, So when you guys asked me to do this, I already had some, you know, some in the chamber, but I did, you know, but anyways, yes, I am a New Yorker through and through, but I am a New York State individual yes. through and through i'm not just you know you're not right just a city, city boy yeah just because yeah. i lived in the bronx doesn't mean you know well because right. you moved to new york what after high school uh the city <clears throat> new york city yeah yes. yeah so yeah. following i went to college in new york uh two college three colleges i'm not a doctor though so you guys figure it out <laughs> um <laughs> had a good time in college uh but after i moved to the bronx with my then girlfriend now wife maria and you met your wife in high school yeah we went to the same high school in newburgh or shout out to newburgh newburgh if there's any newburgh uh maybe one there could be (laughs) uh yeah so we went to the same high school Uh, we had a graduating class of like a thousand so it was a big high school it's not like our graduating class where it's like i knew everybody yeah yeah every single person in my graduating class i did too believe it or not but that's only because popular very gregarious (laughs) right i wouldn't say everybody i'm sure there's gonna be like you didn't know me sorry (laughs) Sorry bobby bobby i don't know you (laughs) (laughs) so uh but yeah so we met in high school and then uh started kind of dating junior year of college i Ended up going to her university, and we fell in love and moved oh. in together. Lived in, you know, all around, you know, the five boroughs. Not all five, maybe like three of the five. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, a dozen years and moved out here about five years ago. And now, you know, I don't know what I am. I'm not a New Yorker <laughs> anymore, but I yeah. don't consider myself a Angelino. Right. I know, like, when do you become an Angelino? Because yeah. I've been here for a decade, and I'm not. Okay. I know. I always tell people I've lived out here almost 11 years now, and they'll be like, oh, I guess you're officially an Angelino, but I'm still like, but I don't, but it doesn't I, feel right in maybe. my soul. Yeah. yeah. I don't belong here. No, I yeah. still feel on the outside for sure. Yeah. But, well, I so, don't know. But yeah. I mean, you're a floater. You're kind a floater, of. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of just like, you know, a, a man without a home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Even though I have a home. <laughs> you I don't have an live apartment. on the street, yeah. Yeah. which is good. <laughs> an apartment, yeah. Yes. But yeah, so that's, you know, 
I'm sure I'll, you'll learn more about me as we, as we go. Yeah, as we yeah, go but along. That's just me and a your interest in New York monster. Yes, and I'll give you kind of where that came from too. I love it. Wonderful. Right? Yeah. So today we are um, obviously we're talking about all the crazy, creepy, uh, spooky things in New York State, mostly New York City, yep. but New York State. Exactly. <laughs> and we are going to start with true crime. Yes. So Lauren's going to start us off. Love it. You guys all know how I feel about murders. <laughs> so it was no surprise that I decided to do this topic um, of our New York episode. So what's funny is I'm doing two stories today and both stories ended up getting made into a movie. So I'm Whoa. not going to say the movie until the end. I want to see if maybe you guys have heard of this movie. Okay. Because I don't know if I just don't know these films and have lived under I'm a rock. I'm immediately going to be like, single white female. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I felt like such a dummy. But also, while doing my research, I looked up a couple podcasts to see. I always check other podcasts to see how much a murder has been done before oh, I talk right. about because I don't want to be overdone. Mm-hmm. One of the murders I'm doing, I found no podcast Ooh, on. Fantastic. And the other one only found three, which in the podcast world is insane. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I'm sort of like, maybe they are not that one. Well known, but you two may shut yeah, me down. We'll see. That's the reason we've never done an episode on like John Wayne Gacy exactly. or like yeah, how many precisely so many on that? Yeah, right? I just right. we know. Yes, <laughs> he's not doing anything new, right? <laughs> we hope not. We, hope we not. pray yeah. that he's not. Okay, so the first one involves a couple named Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez. So a little background first. Ray Fernandez was born in Hawaii. Um, Then he was born to Spanish parents. So then after a while, they all moved to Spain. He lived in Spain for many years. Then he decided to serve in World War II. Um, And then... I'm just kind of summarizing him because that's not super important, but he served in World War II and then he wanted to come back to the U.S. and seek work again. So he was actually on a ship back to the U.S. as a young adult when a large steel hatch on the ship fell and fractured his skull. Oh, no. Those close to him say after this incident, he was never quite the same. Mm, What do we always say in true crime stories? Head injuries are never a good sign. So he was on his way back from the war and he was just like on a ship and got hit in the head. And it was a total freak accident. Got hit in the head by this huge steel hatch. What are you going to do? At that point, you're like, this is what was supposed to happen. I guess so. (laughs) This was meant to be. Yep. Was totally fine. Maybe he avoided death. In World War Two, and then that happened. It was like a final destination right. thing. He was being oh. supposed to get a head injury. Yep. You avoided it. So here's the steel knock hatch this thing on a ship over that's right to on be your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. So I mean, he lived. He was uh, he was okay, quote unquote. But yeah, his friends said he was never the same. His social skills started to worsen. He used mm-hmm. to be a pretty social guy, could talk to anybody, but uh, became a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, a little shy. And he also started engaging in strange sexual behavior with women and became a little more promiscuous. Oh. So this is where everything started Sounds going like- wrong, unfortunately, for this guy. Sounds like it's going right. Yeah, it sounds say. like life in took way? off <laughs> from this moment. <laughs> Um, so he gets back to the U.S. He's hopping around from a few places, but eventually finds a home in New York City. Um, he committed a few robberies, um, like a couple lesser crimes were happening. He wasn't living a great life. Um, he ended up going to prison for a year and his cellmate while in prison was teaching him voodoo and black magic. Whoa. And when he got out of prison, he claimed like this was his new lifestyle. He was going to start practicing black magic on the regular and that he knew certain charms that could make any woman he wanted fall in love with him. Child's play. This oh. is what he was. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good guess. I'm though. trying to guess them, maybe. <laughs> no, I like this, but that's not it. Okay. So he was released from prison, living in New York, and uh, there were these personal ads that could be placed that were called Lonely Hearts ads. Yeah. And yeah. It's so, sort of like Craigslist. Exactly. Casual encounters. Yes. Or like, whatever. I would like to meet you. I'm lonely. I'd like to, I want a yeah. companion. I want a date, blah, blah, blah. So he sees these ads and he sees an opportunity. I'm a charming man. I have my black magic and I'm going to make these women fall in love with me and then rob them for all they have. That's what I Ray thought that was the actual, I'm a charming man. No. I have black magic. And they're like, oh, I got to get this Ooh, guy. Oh my God. That's who I've been looking for. I want the voodoo king. Yeah, give me that Santeria. No, he didn't place the ads. He was responding to women. That was me doing the voice that I thought Ray got was doing it, in his head. Right. Of course. Of course. I thought he put that ad out. I was like, all right, get to the point. You Why know not? what? Yeah. Such Don't a better story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, put it out there. Right. You know, someone will respond, I'm sure. <laughs> it's New York City. Someone's it's calling. Exactly. NYC, somebody's going to do it. So he is responding to these ads and his plan is I'm going to woo them, then rob them and leave without a trace. And he did start successfully doing this, unfortunately. So then let's flash over to Martha Beck, who is the partner in the story. She is from Florida. <sighs> We all know how I feel about Florida. <laughs> Sorry to say. Hit um, or miss. She had a, you know, some people are great. She had a pretty bad upbringing with an abusive mother and a brother who molested her on more than one occasion. Um, she told her parents about it. No one believed her. So it kind of just got swept under the rug. Um, so she grew up having very low self-esteem. She put all of her feelings into food. She gained a lot of weight. Um, which made her have even more issues with her self-esteem. So she actually did date a couple of guys around um, Pensacola where she lived in Florida, but they were always like horrible guys, treated her like crap, which was, it was all her self-worth. That's what she thought she deserved. She got pregnant twice from two different men, had two children from these men, and both of the men abandoned her. So she was totally alone, single mother, trying to raise these kids, um, she was able to go back to school, even though she was completely on her own, and eventually got a job as a nurse at a children's hospital in Pensacola, Florida in 1946, um, became obsessed with romance novels and finding her perfect ending mm -hmm. because she had been, you know, so abandoned, left behind. So that's where we leave her. She places a Lonely Hearts ad in 1947. And apparently Ray, who was in New York at the time, was also kind of traveling to other places because he saw her Florida ad and responded. So they start writing letters back and forth for a few months. Ray is trying to deceive her as he did other women. But when they finally decide to meet down in Florida, Ray falls in love with her. Whoa. He genuinely is like, wait, I don't want to rob this woman. I'm into her. She's raising these two kids and I'm actually kind of like digging this independent woman vibe she's got going on. So he decides not to rob her. They actually have start having a real relationship. They fall in love. You know what would be funny is if this wasn't a true crime story. This was just a really sweet story you I found ended online. Like, and you were cute? like, yeah. and I just wanted to throw that in because <laughs> it really <laughs> brought me hope. I want there to be America. hope for everybody. And for Pensacola, Florida. And for Pensacola, too. Yeah. Florida. Yeah. They needed it, you know? Uh-huh. I wanted to bring light to the true crime. <laughs> community it's just like uh, one of their neighbors dies and they're like and no one knew who did it but isn't that a sweet but, story wasn't that cute like Aww. ray and martha you know they got together go on i'm so sorry no i love that so much because so far this is lovely it except is, yeah. that you know they had some rough times but yes so they fall in love and then ray says um i need to go back to new york for a little you know i've i've been away with you because i'm obsessed with you but i need to get back and get things together she's like no problem then about a week later, she gets an abrupt firing from her job. I couldn't exactly find details why, but she gets fired from her job and decides, 
you know what? This is the perfect opportunity. I'm going to move up to New York and just be with Ray. We don't have to figure out this long distance thing anymore. This is where Martha takes a turn where you were just saying how jolly everything Mm -hmm. is. She sends her children to live at the Salvation Army. What? And moves up to New York to alone be with Ray and just leaves her kids behind. Yeah, see, no. Okay, well, she deserves everything that's coming to her. Right. So she leaves her children behind and goes up there, and Ray is so excited to see her, and he's also so excited that she left her kids because to him, that shows that she's willing to devote all of her time to cater to him and this is his number one lady, and he's okay. super stoked. Right. He's like, all right. So, you know, they're meant for each other. They're selfish pieces of poop. Mm. So Ray decides now that he can trust her, and he's in love with this woman, he's going to confess his crimes of what he's been doing. He's like, hey, I actually responded to your ad because this was kind of my scam, but then I fell in love with you, and I didn't rob you. And instead of being appalled, again, come on, Martha, get your shit together. She's like, cool, can I be on your team, and we do this together? Wow. So then they come up with a scheme where she's going to, in different scenarios, play his sister or his sister-in-law. And every time Ray meets up with these women, they're either meeting at a restaurant. He's like, hey, I have to have my sister with me. Or they come over to his apartment. He's like, my sister lives with me. And they make up some story about, you know, we had a bad childhood and we're like all each other has. So then these women start to feel secure and comfortable. Um, I guess on multiple occasions, Martha said the women, when they saw a woman in the house, immediately felt at ease because mm. they were like, yeah, oh, there's a woman here. Like, this guy's like, not a creep. He's like, not going to. He has a sister. She's here. We're good. So she actually was helping the scam along. So they were still roping them in and they were able to rob them and vanish. And they were kind of just hopping around the city and doing this over and over. But however, in 1949, Things got a little rough. Ray had gotten a little serious with a woman. Uh, The scam had gone a little too far, and he actually was kind of starting to like this woman. Mm -hmm. She was older, though, which is bizarre. Her name is Janet Faye, and she was 66 years old. But, I mean, hey. He has interesting tastes so far. Yeah, he's not the most normal guy. So uh, he brings Janet back to stay at their apartment. They actually become engaged and they're celebrating their engagement and drinking and hanging out and they fall asleep in bed together. Most likely they slept together. We don't know for sure. And the next morning, Martha finds them and in a jealous rage, grabs a hammer and bashes Faye's head in with like no hesitation. And instead of Ray being appalled and saying like this went too far, Ray says, good job, honey, and starts to strangle her just to make sure she's absolutely dead. Yeah, you got to make sure. Just got to, you know, put the extra kill in there. Mm. So they make sure she's absolutely dead. They both feel happy for a moment, but then look at each other in complete panic of like, we've never killed anyone before. This was too far. They try to cover up the body the best they can, but they soon realize like, we just got to flee. We got to get out of here. Um, And the family, they had gotten wind that the family was starting to ask questions and snoop around. So they flee the city. And they make it to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then they meet a woman named Delphine Downing, who was a young widow with a two-year-old daughter. Um, They charm her, and they're able to stay with her for a week or so. Um, And then now we're at February 28th, 1949, and things take a turn once again. Delphine became agitated and angry at Ray one night, as you do, because he was probably being a poop head. Mm -hmm. And Ray says, just here, take some sleeping pills. These will make you less anxious. You need to calm down. He gives her way too many, and she knocks out almost instantly. So then her poor little two-year-old daughter sees that her mother is unconscious and starts bawling her eyes out, as you'd expect, because she's terrified and doesn't know what's happening. 
So then Martha gets annoyed by the crying and begins to strangle this young daughter. (gasps) She doesn't kill her. She just gets her to stop crying temporarily and gives her just kind of this fear of like, now you see who's in charge, Mm. little girl. So the girl just kind of cowers in the corner and quiets down. But then Ray starts to freak out and says, when Delphine, her mom, wakes up, she's going to freak out on us and see the bruising on her daughter's neck because you were just strangling her for like almost a minute. So, of course, the logical thing to do is I'm going to shoot her mom so that she doesn't wake up. Right. Because that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So he shoots Delphine while she's already unconscious. They kill her. And then the daughter starts crying, of course, because she is freaking terrified. And again, Martha just can't take it. So she drowns her in a water basin. Oh, so this Jesus. is the torture they put these How do these, these two people find people. each other? I truly don't understand how, because you hear stories like this all the time. Not all the time, but there's a decent amount of like man, woman partners. I feel mm-hmm. like we've done an episode on it actually yeah. before where they, these horrible people find each other and agree to commit murder without even the blink of an eye. And I don't understand how those people find no. each other well no. you know for all your listeners there's someone for everyone <laughs> yeah, so if someone you're out single there, you. don't worry about it this don't should be our commercial <laughs> i know for all dating apps like get out there find <laughs> your person that is really like yeesh. it's insane that they were able to just do this and just have no issue with it at all so they murder both of these poor people and they cover up their bodies and bury them in the basement of this house. And they plan to just not stay there forever, but they're like, while well, we figure this out, we're just going to stay in here. But um, Delphine and her daughter were very well known in the neighborhood. So neighbors within a day are immediately suspicious. Why haven't we seen them come outside? They come snooping around what's going on. So they call the cops and report the two missing. And they're very suspect of Martha and Ray because they're very bizarre. They're like, what are you doing here? So March 1st, 1949, which is only two days later, the police show up and arrest Martha and Ray because they were already on the lookout for them because of what happened in New York. Mm-hmm. And then this suspicion comes up. So they're like, you guys just come in with us. So they're brought back to New York to be tried. And they actually were charged with 17 murders. But the pair swears up and down that they only killed Janet Faye. They wouldn't even admit to Delphine and her daughter. They were like, they were like, no, that no, was no. someone else. That was yeah. somebody else. Like we were just, we were here and it happened. They were, they only confessed to Janet Faye and they even tried to retract Janet a couple of times. They were both like in separate rooms for questioning and there was blaming each other. And then there was trying to cover for each other. It was like, they were so going back and forth. Do I love or hate this person? Do I throw them under the bus or not? So after a lot of back and forth, they finally were able to be charged with Janet Faye's murder with, a nut, with enough evidence. And they were both killed on the electric chair on March 8th, 1951, two years later. Whoa. Only for Janet Faye's murder, which is bullshit. But I mean, they were, they were punished. They were, they were killed. Death. So fine. Yeah. Um, but their final words were, Ray said, I just want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? That was his final quote. And Martha's was, my story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. I am not unfeeling, stupid, or moronic. I am a woman who had a great love and will always have it. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feeling for Raymond. And then they got electrocuted and died. Okay. I'm surprised. I mean, I guess back then it was a little bit more common that women would get the death penalty right. and it would actually like because there are women on death row right now yeah. but they will likely never be Killed. executed yes, because Eileen Warnos was the last woman to be executed mm-hmm. by lethal injection lethal injection yeah. Yeah. and that was like when 70, 80 something something like that and the, with, 
The 90s, wasn't it the early 90s? It might have been the yeah. early 90s. But was she was it the that last... recent? I mean, not that that's I mean, recent anymore, but... I get confused been, because know. I think of the movie Monster. I know. Well, when did too. Monster come out? I'm like, well, when did Charlie's there? <laughs> they listen to a lot of Journey in it, so it had to be the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you so what's the right. movie? Yeah, wait, can I guess? Oh, sure. yeah, please. Okay. Well done. Is it... It's not a Lifetime movie, right? Like Richard Grieco and Yasmin Bleeth didn't play these characters? <laughs> no, I, there was a Lifetime movie, but I believe like the main one was actually released in theaters. Ooh, I don't know. The Honeymoon know. Killers. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. No. And then there was also, I don't know if it was like Lifetime or Hallmark or one right. of those, but there was a made-for-TV movie called Lonely Hearts. A lot of people call them the Lonely Hearts Killers. Oh, yeah, I think. But Honeymoon yeah. Killers came out in the 70s and was like a cult oh. classic, oh. apparently. Who played them? Anyone famous? Let me look. I don't think I recognize their names, but let me see. Boop, bop, beep, boop. Starring... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I that's why I didn't remember because another names Shirley Stoller and Tony Lobianco. Mm. Tony Lobianco sounds, sounds familiar, familiar, but maybe I'm just thinking of Steve Lo- Steve Lockyer. Yeah, or Bobby Bobby Lobianco. <laughs> definitely Bobby. <laughs> hey, Bobby Lobianco. You know the honeymoon killer guys, brother. Well, um, honestly, yeah. that makes me feel better that you guys didn't know because I was like, no, that story's horrifying. Yeah. Right? Where did his black magic go? Yeah, I thought that was going to come back. It's really open. That was going to enter the story again later. That's fair. I think he was trying to make it an excuse of like, the reason I get so many women is my voodoo. And it was really like, I think he just was, he was finding the right women. Yeah, Yeah. he had charm on his Were there any pictures of them? Like, what did they look like? Was he yeah. like a good looking dude? Or? He's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lauren's okay. like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mm. kick him out of bed. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me pull it I wouldn't drown a two year old in a bucket for him. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like, he's not a hideous beast, but I wouldn't call him handsome either. Oh my gosh, why won't it let me zoom in on this? Well, you're going to have to look at this tiny photo. That's fine. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of hair, but he's also yeah. not like a horrific beast. And then Martha yeah. had glasses, a curly fro, and was a little bit overweight, as I said. Okay. So like, she was just kind of like the, the sister yeah. in the background, like, hi, I look harmless. He's like, fine. Yeah, he looks like Malkovich or something like that. He's got like yeah. a Malkovich thing going on. But I wouldn't be like, hey, handsome. Hey. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's no, fine. He's not. Going to strangle anybody today? Horrific. <laughs> He does look like he practices black magic and kills people. He sure, sure does, you know. But- I, I believe it. Yeah, so there they are. Okay. Um, okay, and then I have another story that's also a movie that will be revealed at the end. Unless Ooh. we can guess. Yes, yes. unless you guess it, which you're totally welcome to shout out. Than the Honeymoon Killers? I would say, okay. I would think that you've heard of this one. Okay. It's also right. a book that was pretty popular, but... Oh. Um, but okay. uh, still Close not, like, completely mainstream. So it's... I'm okay. on the fence, but I think you guys know enough about movies that you could. Okay. Okay, so this is about a woman named Roseanne Quinn, also from New York. What? Um, In May of 1972, she finally moved out on her own, lived in a studio apartment in Manhattan in a pretty nice neighborhood. Um, and she lived in a very like happening area with lots of bars, lots of things to do. She was a very outgoing, cool little lady, wonderful woman. She taught at St. Joseph's School for the Deaf. Deaf, I said deaf. Jesus. <laughs> School for Deaf. <laughs> Spoiler alert. She taught at St. Joseph's School for the Deaf in the Bronx, where she taught a class of eight year olds. And she was that woman that like always stayed late with the kids. She knew the families. 
she had a personal relationship with all the families and she was just one of those people that went the extra mile. Again, she was also known for being so friendly, outgoing, kind. It's these people you always hear about where it's like once they're gone, someone is always like, they were perfect and wonderful. Um, so she's hanging out in New York. She's teaching at the school. She does enjoy going out at night, sometimes by herself. She was known to be seen at this bar called WM Tweeds right across the street from her apartment. Um, where she would often go and just like read a book at the bar by herself, or sometimes she would leave with a, a gentleman at oh, the end of the night. Yeah. I know. And that's important to mention. She's living it comes her best later. life. That she is. Yes. I agree with you completely, but you'll hear some mm. other things later. Oh. So, yes, I had to say it because so much of this infuriates me. Okay. So she's living her best life, in my opinion. She's a wonderful woman. She gets hers with <laughs> some guys at the bar. <laughs> she gets laid. So on the, on the evening, reg. Yes. On the reg. Like, get it. So on the evening of New Year's Day, 1973, so January 1st, um, Roseanne Quinn goes across the street to WM Tweeds where she's having a good time. It's pretty crowded. It's New Year's Day. People are off work. They're hanging out. So she meets a man named John Wayne Wilson and his friend and roommate, Gary Guest. Um, I believe different articles have said different things. It was hard to piece it together. Some articles say that John Wayne Wilson was going by Charlie Smith at this time, but Others are like, nope, he was just John Wilson. So I'm not positive on Wait, that. But what? I know. Some people say. Some articles say that he. That went John by Wayne this Smith name. went by Charlie Wilson. No. That oh, John just... Wayne Wilson went by Charlie <laughs> yes. Smith. Yes. But yes, either way. But still, but like, some what articles is that are leap? like, no, but it's because the reason, like, I'm going to get into more oh, of who okay, he okay. was, but it's like, I just could not find one article. It's like, this is definitely it. There were some differing opinions, okay. but it's not crazy important to the story other than he's kind of a shady guy. So he's there with his friend, Gary Guest, and they meet Quinn and are talking her up all night. Then his friend and roommate, Gary, leaves at around 11 p.m. He's like, I'm over this. And Wilson says he's going to stay. So they hang out at the bar until about 1 a.m. And they leave and go back to Quinn's apartment. They smoke marijuana and they attempt to have sex. Um, and as Wilson later stated, he was unable to achieve achieve an erection. And he claims that Quinn was insulting him and laughing at him and demanding that he get out. So an argument ensued. And after a bit of a struggle, Wilson found a kitchen knife and stabbed her 18 times in the neck and abdomen out of fear and anger and all the things. So after the murder, he covers up Quinn's body with a bathrobe. He showers, cleans the entire apartment, tries to wipe his prints and gets out of there. He goes back to his apartment where Guest is. And he's like, you didn't come home last night, buddy. Because this is the next morning. Like, what happened? Wilson is in a tizzy. And he's like, I I think I killed somebody. I have to get out of the city as soon as possible. And Guest is sort of like, okay. Because then here's a little bit of the backstory in Wilson. When he first moved to New York, he was kind of always a hustler. Like trying to make money in any way, shape or form. Right. Um said he had left a wife and kids behind in Miami and wasn't allowed to go back to Miami because he had a bit of a rap sheet, but would never disclose like what he did. But he's like, I'm not allowed back in Florida. I had to leave the wife and kids. I'm trying to make some money to send back to him. And also at one point he came on to guest and like tried to sleep with him and oh. guest is oh. gay and was sort of like, Oh, are, Oh, are we doing this? Like hey, I'm a gay man. Right. I'm into it. But then he would immediately be like, no man, I'm not gay. And had a little bit of a homophobic uh... side. So he was just kind of like an off guy, but guests trusted him for whatever reason and just, I think, wanted to take in this lost puppy. But he he had a little bit of a rough side. He was secretive, possibly he closeted gay. He had problems gay. with his sexuality. sexuality. Yes, all of these things. So 
Fast forward again. Wilson is saying, I need money. Can you help me out, dude? I have to get out of here. I'm going to go back for my wife and kids. And then I got to go back to Indiana where my family's living, like his parents. So he's like, I just, I got to go. Um, Guest doesn't fully believe him or understand what's going on, but he's sort of just like, whatever, dude, like, here's the money. Just do what you got to do. So he leaves. He goes back to Miami, gets his wife, Kathy, and his kids, and they fly to Indiana later on. So Quinn's body is not discovered until two days later on the morning of January 3rd when she doesn't show up to St. Joseph's school. Um, She was always super responsible, always there. So they send a teacher home for a checkup and they find her bloodied body under the bathrobe, which just must have been horrific. Um, So, yeah, she was found dead. They had no leads. They couldn't find anything in the apartment. That was a good lead. They went to all the bars in the local area. A couple of people remembered seeing her at uh, Tweed's the night before, but said they don't remember who she left with, but they did remember Gary Guest, the roommate. So someone was able to give a description of him, and they get a police sketch out into the world, and Gary sees it and is like, oh, shit, they, that's my face. Looks exactly like me. They're going to think I had something to do with this, and also I gave him money to flee. Maybe he was telling the truth about all of this, and I'm going to be an accessory, blah, blah, blah. So he's panicking. He calls his lawyer. He calls his therapist. He calls everyone under the sun, which I loved that part of the story. He called his therapist first to be like, is this okay? They all were like, you have to tell the police, man. There's no way around this. Like, I know you might get in trouble. It's going to be way worse for you if if you you don't. don't. So he finally cracks and it's not until, I think it's not until March. Yeah, because this was all happening in January. In March, he finally goes forward and tells the police and they are actually lenient with him. And they say, if you tell us the whereabouts of Wilson, then we will um, we'll give you immunity and we just need to know where he is. He's the guy we're really after. So they tap Guest's phone and he calls, what's his toes? Wilson. John Wilson to kind of be like, hey, man, like, how's it going? Are you still in Indiana? They get his whereabouts. They go to Indiana. They bring him back to New York and make an official arrest. And they are able to try him with her murder. He even confesses. He was like, there's no hiding this. Like, it's fine. So um, he is taken to, I forget the actual name of the prison because they call it the tombs. Do you know about that? Oh, oh, oh. It's not the tombs. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, wait. The Manhattan Detention Complex known as the tombs. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I don't think it is. I think it was just maybe in the 70s and early 80s, but he was sent to the tombs. Stayed there for some weeks and then was taken to Bellevue Hospital because they were trying to test him for brain damage, which is what his attorney was fighting for. Like, you guys, this wasn't him. He has brain damage, reason of insanity. Was he also on the boat? I was just going to say. Coming back from World War II. the shaft (laughs) or whatever it's called. He needed a better lawyer. I know. Exactly. So they take him to Bellevue for a few weeks, but the tests were actually never administered and everyone just kind of hated this dude. So they just return him to the tombs without testing. Wow. And they're like screw this guy like he's the worst so uh he gets taken back to the tombs he's diagnosed as suicidal the cells for the suicidal watch were full so they just placed him back in a regular cell and again oh epstein all over you dude exactly and at one point in may wilson got into an argument with one of the prison guards saying i'm gonna kill myself i'm gonna do it and the guard said oh do you want me to give you the sheets to do it taunting him back threw sheets into his cell (gasps) And the next day he was found dead hanging by the sheets that were thrown on him on May 5th, 1973. Um, They started a quote unquote investigation into the circumstances of his death, but no charges were ever filed. And they kind of just left it alone because, again, they were like, bye, dude. So he killed himself in jail after all of the taunting. What were you saying was going to come 
into play later when I was saying she's living her best life. Oh, so then Just, this, no, this oh, is the okay. best part. So the media, the reason that uh, he wasn't found right away and why like everyone was just sort of like, I guess we'll put this sketch out and try. Like they, they weren't looking for evidence. They weren't questioning enough people is because when they started their initial interviews, a lot of the neighbors and friends in the area started saying, yeah, I know Roseanne Quinn. She goes home with different guys almost every night. And some of them are pretty rough looking. Mm. One of her neighbors even said, I remember her getting in a screaming match with a guy that rolled out of her apartment into the street and the next day seeing her with a black eye from said fight. So they were kind of saying like, this is her fault. She brought it on herself. going on like the papers. This is why I said, I hate the media. All of the papers, instead of saying just like, here's the sketch and look out for this guy. Like a woman was murdered and brutally stabbed 18 times. It was like, here's a sketch of this guy. He went home with this woman who's, who gets around. They were basically saying like known bar fly and known promiscuous woman killed by maybe this guy. So let us know if you've seen anything like the lead story was about her sexuality. That's not going to be, as compelling than like sweet school teacher yeah, who right. always stayed after to help her kids exactly. her deaf children deaf eight-year-old children stabbed 18 times yeah. yeah so that's why it infuriates me because instead of that like saying how wonderful of a who, woman she she was, was. who she actually was she actually was it was said that she was just like the sexual woman who brought home yeah. tough guys Floozy and, like, who deserved it yeah yeah, yeah. Like, she what? she hung out with the wrong crowd so she had this coming so that was the lead story which was unfortunate which I mean, the sketch ended up bringing Gary to come forward and we end up catching the guy. So at least it worked to an extent. But I hate that she was played out that way because people forget how wonderful she was. And nobody deserves to be brutally murdered the way no. she was, no matter what. Like, yeah. forget there was a murder that happened here. So That's the problem I have so many with the, all the serial killers, you know, that that prey on sex workers mm-hmm. and everyone's being like well they're sex workers i'm like they're still fucking they're people humans. You and they're care? making a living they're trying to find a way to make a living maybe <laughs> yeah. it's the only option and it's so sad i hate that i mean I she must have really went in on them too with the uh you know taunting right right i mean please to have a, i well, guarantee she just maybe went like you know oh, yeah like, that's probably uh, yeah. and he was like, like ever, yeah and again he that's why i brought He's up like him struggling incel. with his sexuality yeah. because it's like oh a woman's making fun of me not being able to get it up she thinks i'm gay now nobody can think i'm gay and this because i am on. right yes mm-hmm. and that's why yeah and i wish i knew for sure if he changed his name or not and i maybe i'm gonna do another deep dive tonight maybe i just didn't read enough articles but i wonder if he was trying to like start a totally new life in new york because maybe it seems like his it. wife he, from like, before his... like maybe he thought he was gay and made a comment to her she caught him in some kind of affair and he was fleeing that you know i just wonder what yeah. exactly happened in florida was he trying to start over as charlie smith i just i don't know wow and so now the movie mm. The hard thing is there's so many movies that involve, unfortunately, you know, like poor woman gets murdered by a horrible individual. Yeah. But, and this was seven. I'm also, uh, side note, what's really remarkable is uh, back in the 40s and the 70s, our uh, our legal, things got done a lot quicker then, you know? It was mm-hmm. like the murder happened on this day and then this person hung themselves a year later in jail. It's like, man, yeah. now I feel like people are on trial for like 10 years, years. Yeah. before they can hang like themselves finally in prison. sentence. Yeah. yeah. I know. In both of these cases, things happened within a year or two. And yeah. I, I was thinking that too while I was reading. I'm like, wow, it wasn't yeah. a decade later. Our, our court systems get tied up in the dumbest shit mm-hmm. these days. 
uh, I actually just on our bonus episode for this month, uh-huh. I talked about like funny court cases. Yeah. And there was this court case. I won't go into all the details, but basically this lawyer decides that he's going to he wants to sue God. Because he was doing it to prove that how much dumb shit gets like tied up in our court systems, mm-hmm. you know, because in the at first they're like, you can't sue God like, right, you know, you can't sue God. And it's like, why? Yeah. This is the this is the United States court. You believe in God. I can sue God for damages. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, God doesn't have an address. And it's like you agree that God is all knowing yeah. and therefore he knows about this uh, case. Right. Mm. I can sue God. So it was all these like acquittals and like the they would drop they the case. They were putting attention would, yeah. to it in yeah. any way. Yeah. And oh he just like proved he did this over like the course of years. It's like awful. the case would get dropped and he would be like, well, I'm going to bring it back to you yeah. for this reason. And it was just to prove that like the dumbest stuff mm-hmm. ties up our court systems. It's so bad. Shit. But back insane. in the 70s, it's literally like, you did this. Oh, right. You're going to jail. We're going to get this done. Yeah. yeah. Not only jail, the tombs. The tombs, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. When did the movie come out? 1977. Oh, okay. so it's older. I know. But I mean, a very famous woman starred in it, which is why I thought you might know it. But T- 77? 77. Year, a lot of good movies came out in 77. A lot of good the movies. Book came out in 75, movie in 77. And then I believe there were a couple like true crime shows on it that came out. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend. No, me neither. It's called Looking for Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Which <laughs> I had actually heard of. I honestly, honestly thought and that Diane movie Keaton. was about That's the right. uh, candy bar. Nope. Looking for Mr. Goodbar was about looking for the guy who charmed this woman in the bar and then murdered her. Wow. Good bar. <laughs> uh, Diane Keaton starred in it. Wow. So that was a big starred deal. In it. She was starred the one movie. that got murdered? Yep. She played the main girl. She was very young at the time. Yeah. I think this was around Annie Hall time. So she was, that definitely overshadowed this. But yeah. looking for Mr. <laughs> Goodbar, the book came out in 75, movie in 77. And then Investigation Discovery in 2015 did a docu-series on it called A Crime to Remember that apparently is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That apparently is like passable. Oh gosh. It's fine, I suppose. (laughs) It was made. (laughs) It was made, you know, it was out there. Discovery ID. I was in a couple reenactments. I was going to say, I feel like I know a lot of actors of those. Which ones? Can I watch you? Yeah, actually. Yeah. I got to look it up. I forget. But I, it was in the 70s and I got to rock a mustache and I got to, it was really good. And they liked me and they brought me back. Nice. To play another character. Not surprising. Yeah. I could see you doing a good job. Well, I was in a reenactment too. You were. What was yours again? Wasn't it kind of weird? And it was for Animal Planet. Yes. And it was the ones where like when animals attack, basically. Yes. It was like I survived, but for animal attacks and I got Sorry chased by an that. elephant. So what did, <laughs> wait, hold on. I remember this so well now. How did they do this then? Like what did they? We actually went up to um, one of those ranches in like in Southern California, but one of those ranches that's like we have giraffes here and yeah. we rescued them and we right. also have elephants. So we filmed there and- they didn't really, they didn't film the elephant like actually like behind us, yeah, like as we were running. Yeah. But basically, my character, the woman that I was playing, and I actually got to meet her, which was cool. Yeah. Um, she was like on, I don't remember if it was like a safari with this other guy, um, but they got too close to these wild elephants 
and there was an, an infant with them and they didn't know Oof. and the elephants charged them and like completely gored this guy oh i mean God. trampled him and gored mm. him and she saved his life oh like she managed to like she gave him a shot she like stitched him up she managed to get him <gasps> like tourniquets with even yeah. though he was like yeah. completely falling gored. apart oh my yeah God. and she managed to get him to wherever to be actually treated but yeah, yeah. she saved his life oh, so like dang. i'm a hero basically yeah you <laughs> are it was Gosh. um special i only saw it once and then i well, i'm gonna try to find to it. never I'm watch it, to again. Find it. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna find both of yours yeah tonight. i'll let you know what mine is yeah, yeah he's like i want I'll, you to yeah see i'll mine. show you i think i might even have it on my reel <laughs> <laughs> while on the subject of crime just really quick these were just like fun little tidbits to throw in i'm not even gonna super read them i just wanna yeah, i gotta super read them like i'm only gonna like <laughs> normal read them okay, <laughs> not be okay. not yeah. superhero sure. read them. completely yeah. monotone yeah so in um, 1881. In 1881. No, I just wanted to read some of New York's weirdest crimes while on the subject. So yes. New Yorkers <laughs> were rioting over straw hats being <laughs> worn. Yeah, that was serious back in the day. Yeah, back yeah. in the day in 1919, they would like snatch the straw hats, trample them, like punch the person in the face. Like there was a straw hat riot back what? in the old days. Yeah. Yep. Then uh, in 2003, a 500-pound tiger was discovered in a public housing complex. The tiger was named this. Ming, mm-hmm. and he was in a Harlem apartment, yep. uh, just chilling, 500 pounds. Um, what else? Oh, a dude robs a pizza store, and he steals the wrong type of dough and uh, <laughs> came back with a gun and demanded the right one, and they were like, no, and yeah. he got caught, and it that, was fine. But That I was Bobby Bagado. <laughs> Bobby yeah. Bagado. He was like, hey. The, yeah. uh, the tiger thing, I remember vividly, yes. actually. That was and um, 2003, so I was in college. I don't know if I was at Hofstra or it doesn't matter. But you were there. You I was there and it was such big news and it was all over like, you know, channel four, channel two, channel, and they had video of the cops. The no, well, what the cops did is they repelled down the side of the, it was one of those um, big, big skyscraper projects, you know, and he yeah. repelled from another with a trank gun <gasps> and they shot out the window first. Yeah. And then he had to shoot the tiger with the tranquilizer. But, they interviewed the guy, and oh, the NYPD guys are always the same guys. Like, as I rappelled down the side of the building, <laughs> I noticed there was a tiger in the apartment, and it's like- Every New York City cop is always. Joe Pesci. It is, yeah. but he's like, hi, what it is, a fucking tiger. I said, what are you going to do? Where's my money, tiger? I don't care that you got stripes. You owe me money. Um, it's so good. But the the cops said that the tiger charged at him, and when he oh, hit, he but he smacked into the side of the the built the wall. Yeah. He said he could feel like the boom because he was resting along the wall. It was that powerful? Wow. And when they went into the building, when they went into the apartment, there were claw marks on the ceiling from this tiger stretching and sharpening. Like you know when your cat it's is a cat. yeah yeah. But that was a big deal. Whoa. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Like but that's a lot of New York. Tiger. <laughs> there's a lot. I'm telling <laughs> you, there's New a York. lot of that dude. But they found out like wolves and crocodiles in this guy's apartment too. Yeah. So it wasn't just the tiger. Mm-hmm. It's just the tiger yeah. got the biggest. Yeah. yeah. Which he obviously got it when it was a baby, right? Yeah, I think so. They and it said was it was loose. a cub. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a cub that was just hanging out, but nobody realized just how big he was going to be when he grew up. Wow. And he was huge. Like, I never get that. You never saw a tiger in I know, like a- I am like, why? Yeah. It's not going to stay this no. little. It's going to be huge. You ever hear but of yeah, pygmy tigers? No, you hear of <laughs> face-eating tigers. Yeah. 
It's going to be large. But yeah, he did get He's it as a cub cat. and then it, it grew up. But its wow. name was Ming, if oh. anyone cared. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's New York. Well, those were really good crimes. Thank Great you crimes. so much. You're welcome. And I hadn't heard of any of them. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. I tried to find more obscure. So yeah. those were fresh ones for you then. Those nice were and fresh. Nice, hot and fresh. Wow. Hot and fresh. Straight out of the oven. Except the main. Hot and ready. Except main, for Ming, yeah. Yeah, we all knew about me. Yeah. I knew about me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, those were awesome. I didn't know about those. Oh, that makes me even happier, yeah. Mr. New York. Yeah. Bobby New York. Bobby, Bobby New, York. New York. What do you know about crime? I know it all. Ask me a question. He's dead. There you go. There's the answer. <laughs> There's the crime. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. This episode ended up being so long and so good and so full of weird that it turned into a three-part episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our show as usual. You rule. Thank you so much to Steve for coming on the show this week and next and next. He's so funny. I can't wait for you to hear more from him. Next week, he's going to be venturing out of New York City and teaching us about all the monsters in New York State. So tune in to get your cryptid fix. The following week, I will be bringing you all of the most haunted places, and guys, New York is so freaking haunted. We have four more episodes coming up this year, two more of these New York hometown haunts, a follow-up to our John Shakespeare murder investigation, and a very special finale. After that, we'll be going on hiatus until late February, as we do every year. But if you are a member of our Patreon, you will be receiving new episodes and newsletters during our break. So if that's something that you're interested in, head over to www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. Also, check out our Etsy page at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast and get yourself a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, mug, or button to represent Keep It Weird wherever you go. If you're a member of our Patreon, make sure you check in with us to get your promo code for 10 to 20% off. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast across all platforms if you don't already. Oh my gosh, they're playing me out. Have a good week, guys. Keep it weird. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through